to our series here out of, uh, out of Ephesians. Um, and I, I wanted to look again at a few verses that we've already covered in light of, uh, in light of view of this new year that uh, we're starting. And the reason being is, uh, one, to just kind of get us back on track where we were uh, here out of Ephesians 5. But also, I uh, encountered something rather disturbing. Um, I, I saw, especially coming in the new year, uh, a lot of people that uh, I follow uh, on Facebook and through Facebook, um, that what people had to say about 2018 and then 2019 coming into view. And uh, they said things such as, uh, goodbye 2018, the worst year of my life, and I won't miss anything about 2018. Um, or I can't wait for 2019 to begin so I can actually uh, put behind me all of 2018, which was so horrible. And you know, the shocking thing about all of this was that these posts were coming mostly from Christians, from other followers of Jesus. And is that, way that a, is that the way that a believer should have their outlook on life? After all, if we believe that God is in control of everything, meaning that he is sovereign, meaning that he uh, rules and reigns over everything, then in reality, uh, everything that God brings into our lives, whatever God brings into our lives, whether it's good or bad, it is for his ultimate purpose and glory, and it is for our good that he does those things. And so... I really wanted to take a few moments here and, and look at these verses here out of Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verses 15 through 17, uh, just to kind of put in context this, this new year that is before you and, and me and before this church here, and to not look at, at, look at it as a New Year's resolution, but rather to consider it as a gift from God and for the purpose that he has for you for this year or for the time that you have left. Um, if we're going to do something in our lives, we, we have to filter it through the word of God. We have to filter it through what God's will is for our lives. And so as we look at these verses here, we're gonna do something a little bit different. We're actually gonna work our way backwards, starting with verse 17 and work our way all the way up to verse uh, number 15. And I believe this will give us an overall picture of what God desires for our lives and how to get there. Here's the big picture that I want to take, that I want you to take home with you uh, this morning. Basically, God has a purpose for you, so be wise and don't waste the gift of time. God has a purpose for you, so be wise and don't waste the gift of time. So let's jump here in our verses here, uh, beginning in verse number 17. Paul writes here, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So if we're going to make the best use of our time, the number one thing that we need to understand is that we must understand the Lord's will. So he says, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Clearly here from what the text says, it says that we are to know what the will of the Lord is. 
If you are a believer in Christ, meaning the fact that you've repented of your sins and you've turned to faith in Christ, you've trusted Jesus and Jesus alone for your salvation, then God has a plan for your life and it is all summed up in Jesus Christ. He is the teacher and we are the students. Every Christian at one point or another is going to ask this question. What is God's will for my life? The Holy Spirit creates a desire in each one of us that knows Christ. And that's the desire to do what is pleasing to God. And so we should be seeking out what the will of the Lord is. In Ephesians 5.10, Paul wrote, he says, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, Paul wrote, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, listen to this, for it is God who works in you to do what? Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is in your life, the Holy Spirit is in your life, and he is working in you for his will and for his good pleasure. He's doing something miraculous in your life. But you need to discern what that is. Many times we may be seeking God's will on personal matters in our life, such as, should I marry this person? Should I live here? Should I take this job? Should I uh, go to this school? Should I uh, do this? But the Bible, however, never really addresses these types of questions. Instead, we as believers are to apply biblical principles with wisdom to our situations to make the right choices. So what is the will of the Lord then? You see, as we read scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, we make decisions that should be in line with scripture. And by the way, just as a reminder, the Holy Spirit will never, will never tell you to do something that is contrary to the word of God. Um, Sad to say, but there's been people I've heard that said, I've prayed about this and prayed about this, and I believe God wants me to divorce my husband or divorce my wife. Wrong answer. Holy Spirit never tells you to do something that is contrary to the word of God. But in this verse here, it's not about our personal matters of life. He says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You see, our personal life is only secondary when it's compared to God's will. Because God is in control, because he is sovereign, what is his will then? You see, if we recall the previous verses here in Ephesians chapter 5, he tells us those who walk in the light should not be foolish, but instead we are to know what the will of the Lord is. So let's just recap here just for a moment on the will of the Lord as defined here in the book of Ephesians is what Paul said. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter number 1 uh, real quick. Look what he says in verses 9 and 10 about the will of the Lord. He says, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. 
which he hath purposed in who? In himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So the divine goal here of God's will is to bring together the whole of creation in submission to the King of kings and Lord of lords, that's Jesus Christ. And so this goal begins to be fulfilled in the church as the Savior in his fullness unites both Jew and Gentile. Remember we covered about how that the Jew and the Gentile become one? And so God is doing something great. And he's doing something awesome in the midst of us. And what we have to do is we have to say, that's what God is doing and I need to get in on the will of the Lord. And so God brings all of this together. But let's look around here. Is there any Jews here? I would say most of us here are Gentiles, right? So how does this apply to us? Well, see, it goes a little bit further than that. Look at verses 22 through 23. Look what Paul writes again about this will. In chapter 1, he says, And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Oh, now we're starting to get a better picture now of what the will of the Lord is. Everything's united to Christ. And he says, now this will includes the church. But then he goes a little bit further than that. Look at chapter 2, verses, uh, verse 11. He says, wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. God has purposed in his will to bring us Gentiles as part of his, of his church to be united with him. But Paul goes a little bit further with that as well. Look at Ephesians chapter number 3. And he talks about this mystery in chapters 3 uh, verses 1 through 21. We're not going to read all of that. But he talks about the church and the mystery and the fellowship that we should be having within the church. So here's the picture that I want you to get. God brings all people together and unites them under Christ. And so here we are gathered as a body of believers from different backgrounds, from different walks of life, with different opinions about things. And what is the purpose of all of it? to unite us together in fellowship and love. And that is the awesome thing about what God is doing in this world. So if we're gonna understand what the will of the Lord is, this means two things. Number one, that we emphasize the church's need to be united in truth and in love. As a believer in Christ and this body of believers, do you emphasize truth and love? Is that on your radar? Do you seek to foster that in your life and in the lives of others? 
That's part of God's will. This is what God is doing in the midst of us. Secondly, it means that we discern our role in the body of Christ. You see, as believers, we should be working together in the body to foster the unity of the church. But see, those who are foolish, is what Paul says here, therefore do not be foolish, they misunderstand God's will. They will seek to divide the body and engage in impure acts that Paul warns us uh, here in Ephesians 4, 17 uh, through uh, uh, verse 20 as he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. Could this be the reason why so many Christians live fruitless lives? It's because they do not understand what God is doing in the world. And they think that the life that they're living is all about them. And so therefore, that's why we see things such as, boy, 2018 was the worst year of my life. Really? Actually, it was probably the best year of your life. Maybe God is doing something in you to show you how great and wonderful he really is. And so we as believers... We should not be foolish what the will of the Lord is, but understand what it is and get in on what God is doing already in this world. Wise people who love the Lord's will, on the other hand, promote Christian unity and submit to the principles for sanctified living found here in Ephesians and all throughout all the rest of Scripture. You see, the Bible is very clear that God is sovereign and we are his servants and we exist to fulfill his will, not our will. So it is vital to know from scripture what the will of the Lord is and how to fulfill it. So now that we've pinpointed what what that is, it's all about God, it's what God is doing in this world, it's not about us. Now we need to take a step back and see what the next verse says. So let's move back one verse. Look what he says here. So if we, if we have this, this will here, then he says here in verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So as we work our way backwards, we see the reason for knowing what the will of the Lord is for two reasons. Number one, the days are evil. You see, at the time of Paul writing this letter, he was talking about evil days as a reality. Evil days were already abounding. But if we recall a few verses earlier, Paul warned about the darkness and the evil that the world has succumbed to. Listen to what Ephesians 5, 3 through 5 says. This is what he says the evil is in the world already at his time. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and 
God. The city of Ephesus at this time was almost in a way like our modern day America today. Just as American Christians have seen their value shredded and mocked in recent years by increasingly secular culture, the believers that were living in Ephesus at this time were surrounded by evil. And so if you are going to live a godly life, you should know that you are going to be doing it in an evil day. God's truth has always run counter to the course of this world. And so if you know what the will of the Lord is, what God is doing, that he's uniting everything unto himself, and if you're going to get in on that, then you are going to stick out because you're going to be running counterculture to what the world's values and the world prides itself in thinking the great thing that it should be. few years back, I don't know, you maybe remember these uh, commercials. Uh, Febreze used to have these commercials called, Have You Gone Nose Blind? Remember those? And there would be the, 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 the kid home from college and he's sitting on, his, on a couch playing video games and he pulls off a sock and like everyone says, you may smell this. But then, like, the mom walks in there and goes, eh, eh, eh. There's, like, dirty socks everywhere, like, hanging everywhere. And it actually smells like this. Have you gone nose blind? Sad to say, but many Christians have adopted the philosophies and the teachings of this world. If we're not careful, we can absorb the world's values. If we're not viewing everything in light of what the scriptures teach and see what the world says is okay, but then we look at God's word and it says it's not okay, and we don't make a decision to live for Christ, to live for God, then we have gone nose blind. The world has its values of what they think is okay and what's right, but you as a believer in Christ should determine to live a life that is contrary to what the world says is okay. Did you know here in America alone that there are seven states, seven states that have legalized um, assisted suicide? Our country has, has allowed things to go uh, unchecked, okay, no problem. And it's only going to get worse. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a, a pastor during World War II in Germany, stood up for a lot of the things that were going on in his country. He was captured by the, uh, the Nazis, and later he was put to death for what he believed in and stood, stood up for. You can read about his uh, biography. But I believe that the days are getting increasingly evil. They're not going to get worse. They're not going to get better. They're going to get continually worse and worse. So Paul calls us, to not be foolish, 
but to be wise about the time that we've been given. And we should understand what the will of the Lord is. When Paul went to Ephesus and proclaimed Christ, he did so in the most vile, corrupt cities of the world in that day. Prostitution ran rampant in the temple. Um, there was uh, people that, that worshipped false gods. There was, uh, everything was just horrible during that day. But Paul went there and he preached Christ. And how do you think people viewed him? Oh, what a great message, Paul. Thank you so much for bringing that here to us. No, if you read about it, there was a riot. In America today, we can only watch and whore as evil runs rampant. As our country moves farther and farther away from biblical truth, its teachings, it will become increasingly harder for Christians living here in America. There may come a day for you and for me that where Christians are going to be hunted down like dogs. And we're going to have to make a decision at some point. Who are we going to serve? Are you going to serve God or serve the prince of this world, Satan? And so the days are getting evil. They're getting increasingly evil. So I warn you that if you have no desire for godliness or righteous living or that you are only godly when it's convenient for you or for when other people see you to put on a show, I warn you, chances are you have not repented of your sins and been transformed by the new birth. Jesus died and resurrected for your sins so that you could know true righteousness and have a relationship with him. So if you have not placed your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for redemption, I urge you to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Secondly, make the best use of the time. Time is a gift. This phrase here, making the best use of the time, is literally redeeming the opportunity that God gives us. The idea is being alert to the spiritual opportunities that God brings your way so that you can grab them as a wise merchant grabs a bargain. The reason that you are alert to these opportunities is that you are living wisely with a view to eternity, knowing what the will of the Lord is in God's kingdom. As Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 4.18, he says this, We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here's just a very few practical ways that I believe you can redeem the time when God brings the opportunities to you. Bible reading. Read through God's word. Study God's word. How about prayer? Pray with your family, other believers. Join us on Sunday mornings here when we have morning prayer. Uh, at 9 o'clock. Take advantage of our 24-hour prayer meeting that we're going to be having uh, two times this year. What does it say? You have not because you ask not. Be a disciple. Make disciples. This isn't hard. Spend time with another Christian. Talk about the word and teach them what God has taught you. 
How about be part of a small group? This is something that we're uh, in the works of doing right now, but when we get these started, join a group of other Christians to strengthen your walk with God in unity with other believers. How about be a witness? We provided you with, with several uh, gospel literature out in the uh, foyer there that you can take with you. Pass it out. Give it to somebody that you may know or may not know. Share your faith with others when God gives you an opportunity. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But set Christ apart as Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks about the hope that you possess. How about sharing your victories and your struggles? I found that when we let our guard down and share with others our struggles, sufferings, and victories, it strengthens the body of Christ and it shows the glory of God to unbelievers. How about serving the body of Christ? Find out your spiritual gifts and utilize them within the body of Christ, serving one another. This is all part of God's plan to bring unity and love within the church. And so we should make use of the time that God gives us because the days are evil. Here's the last thing that Paul says. So we started very pointedly. We took a step back. Now we're going to take one more step back and look at it. Look what he says here. Be wise and careful in your Christian life. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we begin very concise, knowing the will of the Lord, and we've enlarged it to knowing that the days are evil that are around us and make the best use of our time. And now we have come all the way out to our manner of life, how we live our life. So if we want to get to the point of knowing what the will of the Lord is, then look carefully then how you walk your manner of life. Not as unwise, but as wise. You see, maybe a, a good New Year's principle should be look carefully then how I walk, how you walk. The walk is our manner of life, how we conduct, how we live our life. How do you live your life? Is it in line with the teachings of the word of God? If not, then you're not walking carefully. You're walking foolishly. Because God says, walk carefully. Walk in line with my word, with my will. Paul told us in Ephesians 5.8, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In other words, be what you are. If you are light, then be light. Live like light. 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16 says, Like obedient children, do not comply with the evil urges you used to follow in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in all of your conduct, for it is written, You shall be holy because I am holy. When your life is over and you're standing before God, what do you want God to say about how you lived your life for him. It's all over. What do you want God to say 
how you lived your life for him. If you want your life to count for eternity, then live your life for the eternal, not the temporary. To walk carefully and with wisdom doesn't happen by chance. You must discipline yourself to godliness. A Christian who does not discipline themselves will not do well or have serious problems in their Christian life. Godly, Christ-honoring marriages do not happen by chance. I hate to tell you, but the, all those movies where it's boy meets girl, girl gets mad at boy, girl makes up with boy, girl and guy get married, and they live happily ever after. It doesn't exist. How do we have godly Christ-honoring marriages? By following the principles and the teachings of the word of God, we must discipline ourselves to the teachings of the word. Godly, Christ-honoring children, obedient children, don't happen by chance. Just look at my daughter. As my wife. How does it happen? When that child realizes the principles of the word of God, and as the parents, they model the principles and the teachings of the word of God to their children and instruct them. A vibrant relationship with God does not happen by chance. It's when you as a believer decide to follow the teachings of God's word and you yield your life to Christ. The more you learn of him, the deeper your relationship will grow and flourish. As Psalms 1 puts it, the godly man meditates on God's word day and night so that he is like a tree planted by the rivers of the living water and his deep roots sustain him times of drought. So be wise and be careful in your Christian life, making the best use of your time. Let's pray together.